Welcome to another podcast by Every Nation Brisbane. We're so glad you can join us here today. For more information about our church, visit us on the web at enbrisbane.org. Please enjoy the following message. It's taken from uh, Luke chapter 14. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me there. It says, uh, For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Let's pray. Father, thank you this morning that you are the author and the finisher of our faith, that the very things that you start, you are faithful to complete. And I thank you, God, that we find encouragement, we find strengthening and knowing that you are a finishing God. We pray, Holy Spirit, you would come and speak to us here this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. amen. So we're in a series uh, in line with the, uh, the world conference that happened as a part of our movement of churches, Every Nation. Um, the theme is always go. And uh, in looking towards our plans for where life is going. How many of you have started planning for 2024 already? Whether it's your studies or whether it's uh, different things like fitness, uh, dress sizes going down, all that sort of stuff. How many of you have started making plans? How many of you have not started making plans? You're like, Pastor Nanny, I'm just thinking about tomorrow. That's great. Today, right? Today. Some of you are thinking about what's for lunch. Yeah, it's all right. You can't even get past that yet. Uh, but during the series, where, which are, this is the last installment, we're going to look, we have been looking, and we're going to look today on planning our lives God's way and going into this next season and next year God's way. And so the title of my message is Ready, Plan, Go. Ready, Plan, Go. Now, I don't know if anybody in this room here is an NBA fan. Myself and Pastor Henry, our pastor in our Logan location, we're huge NBA fans. And currently right now, there is an exhibition that's happening right now on, in the Queen's Arcade, right there on Queen's, uh, Queen Street in, in our CBD. And so uh, Pastor Henry and I, we took a lunch break on our Friday, and uh, we decided, you know what, we'll take an extended lunch break, and we'll go down and, and, and see the exhibition. Uh, but this is a photo of us with uh, a replica of the Larry O'Brien trophy. Um, it's not the real one. It was plastic, actually. I'll just, I'll just throw that in there. Um, but it was interesting to see a number of um, different memorabilia from uh, NBA, uh, from the, the Bas- National Basketball Association throughout the years, Uh, But one thing that caught my eye in particular was they had this wall of quotes from some of the most popular basketball players that ever lived. And, of course, my opinion, the GOAT is Michael Jordan. Okay, I know we might have some LeBron people that might think otherwise. Um, And it is amazing what LeBron is doing right now uh, at the age of 72, still playing for the Lakers and scoring majorly. Uh, But I saw this quote from Michael Jordan that caught my eye. And I wanted to share it here with you. Apparently, one of the things he said is some people want it to happen, some wish it would happen, and others make it happen. And that really resonated with me uh, because the word happen uh, basically connotates uh, a sense of intention, of planning uh, that doesn't happen by accident. 
And when I think about an athlete, whether it is Michael Jordan or LeBron James or uh, the Matildas and, the, and uh, you know, the different athletes that are playing at, at the top level of their sport, whatever it might be, um, there is a sense of intentionality and discipline and planning that they have instigated throughout their days. There's a sense of macro, they have goals and intentions that are more long-term, but in order to get there, there are incremental micro steps that need to, be take, that need to take place. And so uh, today, I wanted to kind of look at this question here. Um, what's your plan? What's your plan? What's your plan for uh, your life? What are the plans that you have for the way that you sense you're supposed to be living? But I think the better question to ask, right, is I have my iPhone here, right? And if I use my iPhone with my own plan without understanding the intention of why the iPhone was made, I will inevitably break it. Because if I think that it's a brick or if I think that it's a chopping board, um, it's going to break, especially if it's an Android. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Come on, man. I'm just, just trying to see if you're awake there, Paulie. You know, like it's not designed for that. So better, better than asking the question, um, what's your plan? We should ask the question, uh, what is God's plan? We should go to the designer of life. And I think one of the best ways that you can do this is what you're doing right now, is to come into a situation like this where we come together as a congregation and fellowship with one another to discover God's plan for our lives. So what, what, is, what is God's plan for your life? Turn to somebody and ask them this morning, what is, what is God's plan for your life? My favorite preacher of the last 50 years is a, is a guy by the name of Timothy Keller. And uh, he wrote a book which was revolutionary for me. He wrote many books that were revolutionary for me. One of the books that he wrote was a book called uh, Every Good Endeavor, which helps people to see God's design for work and that it's actually a form of worship and that you can connect your mission to the work that you do on a daily basis, whether you're studying on campus like some of my champion students here or uh, those of us who are in the, in the uh, workforce, whether white collar, blue collar, no collar, uh, whatever it is, uh, you get a reverence collar like me, whatever it might be, the work should honor God. And then he highlights in the middle of the book within four chapters, kind of the enemies of the work that God's designed for you. And I've, I've highlighted them in a way that there is a juxtaposition of what God's design for our work is and what we have a tendency towards in terms of the enemies. So there's the enemies and there's the, the design of God's work. And I'll put them all on one slide here so you can take notes here. So he highlights that a God-filled life should be fruitful and not fruitless in terms of understanding uh, that there should be a bearing of the fruit of the Spirit in, in, in the work and the life that you do. Uh, he talks about the, um, the understanding of, many of you might, might if, you, if you've been around church for a while, you'll, you'll remember the verse, uh, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. He doesn't just talk about that being our sinful life, but he talks about how sin also is defined by us missing the mark that God has designed for us. And God is best glorified if we hit the mark, being fruitful in the life that God has called us to. Um, secondly, it's being purposeful and not pointless. Um, 
he talks about the pointlessness, living without point, living without any reason to, to uh, wake up in the morning. Uh, you end up succumbing to the distraction of choice and comparison, and you end up living someone else's life, which was interesting. The question this morning was like, if you could swap lives with somebody else for a day, uh, well, whose life would it be, right? Um, you don't want to live someone else's life. Get to the end of the the. The, this life that we were called to live, reach the finish line only to realize you were running on the wrong marathon the whole time, right? Um, thirdly, uh, he talks about selfishness, to live self-centeredly. Uh, he, he talks about how um, Babel, which we touched on a couple of weeks ago, uh, and making a name for ourselves is actually the antithesis of how God has called us to live. <coughs> it's not making a name for ourselves, but asking the question, and this is a quote from the book, he says, can you live entirely out of pure impulse to serve the interests of other people at all times, which is the way Christ lived, is living a life that intentionally looks at the betterment of other people towards God, or are you building yourself a very self-centered life and just putting a cross on it and saying it's for Jesus, right? And then fourthly, idolatrous, meaning that the idolatry is, is turning something that is good into an ultimate thing. So something that God intentioned, uh, intended for you to be blessed with, uh, is it becomes the main intention. So it might be the relationships you have. When that is the main intention and not God's design for your life, you end up uh, like with, with, a, with a phone that becomes a chopping board, right? And so what Tim Keller is highlighting here is it's important to keep these things in mind when you are living your life. Are you living towards fruitfulness? Are you living towards purpose and what his design is for your life? Are you living a selfless life for the betterment of others that points others towards the glory of God by the way that you live? Or are you living a selfish life? And then lastly, are you living a God-glorifying life where he is the center of everything that you do and our work and our plans are worship to God? Or are you living an idolatrous life where all the work and the plans that you have are for the betterment of yourself and understanding that at the, at the conclusion of gaining all of these things, you still find yourself empty and wanting because they're smaller gods that are made for, like the great French uh, mathematician said, Blaise Pascal, that we all have a God-shaped void of which only God can fill. So let's go back to this passage here in Luke and Luke says here, again, I'll read it for us just so we can get it in our spirits a little bit more. And I've highlighted a few things that we want to draw our attention to. And I've got five uh, actual things. Since we've talked about what God's plans should look like, we should start to think about steps towards planning God's way. Okay, here we go. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost? Whether he has enough to complete it. Uh, otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Now, I highlighted uh, at the start of the series, there is a, a colloquial or a slang term that we use in New Zealand called being a build-ups. It's somebody that says they're going to reach a goal and they never reach it, they, or they... they they tell you they're going to do something, and, and then there's this expectation that they're going to do it, and they never do it. Any of you, not you, but maybe you have a friend or, or somebody that you know that 
has a tendency towards being a build-ups. We don't want to be that. So we want to make sure that when we're understanding God's plans for our lives, that we finish by the grace of God what we start. And that's why it's best to finish the right plans, right? We, our plans should be God's plans. Jeremiah 29, 11, again, the refrigerator magnet verse, right? For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. He has a plan for your life. Turn to somebody and encourage them this morning. God has a plan for your life. So here we go, okay? In order to know God's plan for your life, how many of you already can think of what the first step should be? If you want to know God's plan, what should the first step be? Yeah, why don't we get together with the one who has the plan? So, step number one, okay, if you're taking notes. Pray, and then draw the blueprint. Pray, and then draw the blueprint. We get this from this part of the passage. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost? I want us to notice the posture here. Sit down. There's a relaxed posture there is a time of communing with God in space where you are not moving forward and just going for life. You have to take time to sit down and count the cost. Enable God to speak to your spirit as to what his plans are. Because anytime anything, any, anytime anything was done great, it was always done outside of a comfort zone. So you need to count the cost. You need to sit there with what God has planned for your life and actually count the cost of following him. Habakkuk chapter two, verse two says, and the Lord answered me. This is Habakkuk talking about uh, how he was called to prophesy. And so he went and sat down and asked God for the word. And the word of the Lord for Habakkuk was, write the vision down and make it plain on tablets so that he or she uh, may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. Because it will surely come. It will not delay. How many of you have got things that you want to see in your life, but then they couldn't move fast enough? You're just like, oh, I wish that would happen tomorrow. Why can't this happen like in five minutes or yesterday? This is the sort of uh, environment of which we live in, right? We live in a very hurried uh, environment of which we were, you know, some of us are waiting on whether it's immigration to, to, to step forward on what they, they, you know, you've submitted the papers. How come it's taking so long? Or some of you are single. You're like, why is he taking so long? Or some of you are like waiting for a job. Why is that taking so long? It's understanding that we should stop, pray, in, encounter God, and wait upon his appointed time and write down the revelation and make it plain. This is the encouragement for Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2 and 3. So that's the, that's the first one. You all ready? You all ready for the second one? The second one is don't just do, but build. Don't just do, but build. What do I mean by that? Let's take it from this passage, part of the passage. Which of you desiring to build a tower? How many of you know that when you are building a tower, you don't leave the plans and go and do something else? You're building. There are steps to this. Every step that you take, every bit of material that you have has an intention to build something. But if you're just doing for the sake of doing, 
rather than understanding that each day is an opportunity to build something, to make something happen for the glory of God who has designed for you, then you live with much more intention. The steps that you take today need to build on, what, uh, on top of what you built yesterday. So the encouragement is don't build by accident. Psalm 127 verse 1 says, unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. God is a builder. I hope you noticed this. When we first encounter him in scripture in Genesis 1, he is building the universe. He is building and creating all of creation. When Jesus is born, he's born into the family of a builder, a carpenter, who happens to build. He could have been born into the family of anybody, like a pastry chef, like, like my sister Mag here, or, or just somebody who makes coffee. He could have been bo born into a barista family, but God, by his divine design, chose for the savior of the universe to be born into the family of a builder. How many of you are seeing a pattern already that God builds intentionally through those who build? And so he wants to activate you this morning to intentionally build your lives, like the song says, upon his love. It is our firm foundation. So don't just do, but build. Think about it with regards to your career, those of you who are working. Are you building, and are you building the way God wants you to build, or are you just doing for the sake of doing? There's an intentionality there. Number three, this one might be a little harder. All right. Number three, show up consistently. Okay. If you're going to build and you start building something, you need to show up to the construction site to actually start building it and keep building it. I know I've visited certain countries where you go and there were intent, nice intentions just being built everywhere. And like you see a building site and, and there's no construction happening. It hasn't been happening for years. Uh, I notice even in the construction industry right now here in, in Australia and in Brisbane, I was having a conversation uh, visiting a life group last night with uh, uh, three couples and they were talking about how they're waiting for builders to build their homes. The, the, the structures are up, but then they're waiting for like a painter or a roofer or some, somebody to do some portion of the, the, the building. And it's kind of waiting, and there's been delays all over the construction, uh, within the construction industry. I'm sure Paul will tell you as a real estate agent as well. There's all sorts of crazy delays amongst construction and those who are building because no one's able to show up consistently to build. But when we understand that God has called us to build and build our lives, it doesn't matter like what we are walking through. To show up consistently is important. Ask anybody that works out. You know, it's, it's one thing that like, oh, I worked out for four hours today. It was really intentional. That's great. But are you going to show up tomorrow? We'll see. A lot, of, a lot of good intentions of we'll see. I don't know. When you get to my age, usually when people say we'll see, it equates to now. Nah, they're not going to come through. Or, or we spiritualize it. Right, Larger? We spiritualize. We don't say we'll see. We say, I'll, I'll pray about it. That usually means you're not, you're not praying about it. <laughs> Show up consistently. Let me, let me invite you deeper, not just the work that you do, but the relationships that you keep to be that kind of friend who shows up consistently. It's the only reason I have social media accounts, <laughs> to be honest. 
I'm not trying to like compare myself or fighting the temptation to compare myself to somebody else. How come he's the same age as me and he has abs? You know, like it's, it's not that temptation to, to, to do that. It's connection and points of connection. Unfortunately, you know, we've lost the art of having, remember good old conversations face to face? Now we have to communicate through Messenger and WhatsApp and kids on Telegram now. It's just, it's just crazy. But this, this is the importance of using those tools to show up consistently. Because how many of you know we serve a God who shows up consistently? He says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Fourthly, let the unseen hold up the scene. What do I mean by that? Let the unseen hold up the scene. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation, everybody say foundation. Okay. When he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him. Okay. So the intention there, it's not bad to build a foundation. In fact, it's good to start with the foundation. But sometimes we practice so much in the unseen that there's another faith step that should launch us into producing something that is above surface. So the foundation is the part of your uh, life that is not seen, and, and it holds up that which is seen. You'll follow the, the analogy here, right? But it's the difference between a good idea and a money-making idea and God's calling. It's not necessarily God's idea, but God has called you to do it. See, when God's calling happens, that's when there is a responsibility to actually build on top of the foundation, something that will help shelter other people under his shelter that you, you're called to build, right? See, a foundation will never falter. Foundations never suffer. Like when it comes to the weather, the winds and the rains and the storms, like the foundation can, can get wet. But it's when you start to build on top of that. Number one, you have people starting to look at what you're building and go, mm, that's interesting. There's this building in, uh, in Barcelona called uh, La Sagrada Familia, for those of you who are familiar with it. It's been in construction for almost two centuries, and it's finally getting finished. Uh, it was just announced in the news that it's finally getting finished. Uh, I, I'm kind of at the stage where I'll, I'll believe it when I see it, right? But it's a beautiful, opulent cathedral if any of you have seen photos or even been to Barcelona. But uh, the, my point is that the foundation or the parts of our Christianity and our life that are unseen should empower that which is above the surface. Like a, a tree with a good root structure, it can grow and flourish in accordance with the strength of its, uh, of its root structure. If the root structure is solid, then that which is growing and fruitful can, can grow in, a, in direct proportion to that which is beneath the surface, holding up the work above the surface, your public life. The strength of your public life is determined by your, the strength of your private life. Or we can reword it this way. The secret to a successful life is the success of your secret life. Okay, we're ending here. This is my last point. Yes, it is possible. Nelly can get through five points in 25 minutes. Otherwise, he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish. Everybody say, not able to finish. All who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Everybody say, not able to finish. So obviously, with the repetition of that phrase, we need to pay attention. 
And one of the greatest fears that any person might have is that they were not able to finish what they start. So why don't we, final point, start with the finish in mind. Now forgive me for how morbid this thought is, okay? Michael Hyatt, in his book, Living Forward, he starts with the practice of, uh, you know, like planning your life forward. You should start with the end in mind. Uh. So what he says, one of the exercises he gets you to do is two things. Uh, write your own eulogy or write what you want others to say about you when it's your funeral. And then write a blurb that would go on your tombstone. Now, this is a really, uh, whoa, Pastor Nellia, this is, this is early in the morning. I know, I know it's early in the morning. But if you don't know, if you understand what God has, how God has called you to build and the kind of life he's called you to live, then you live with the end in mind. Because how many of you know, as followers of Christ, right? We know this is not the end anyway. It's our graduation. Our funeral is actually a graduation into the eternal life that we get to have. But he has given us this life on earth to steward well in order to leave the legacy of his gospel for others. So what would you say? You've been handed out pieces of paper. I know they're kind of small. But just for you to begin to think about, and you can take the pen that was given to you, what do you want to be said of your life at its conclusion? Maybe take you know, later on some time this week, right? To, to think about what do I want people to say at my funeral? Um, my wife has just entered the room, Tina. I'm just letting you know my plans. I don't want anybody wearing black at my funeral. I want it to be a party, all right? Well, we're going to fight to see who outlives each other. But like this is a... <laughs> I, I want it to be a celebration because... And in order for it to be a celebration, I need to live this life well so that we are able to celebrate what God has done in and through your lives and mine. So this is the final question I have, right? What does God want to be said of your life? I'll give those four points to you again. Fruitfulness. Are we fruitful in our lives? Purposeful. Are we living on purpose towards his purpose? Uh, are we living selflessly? And then lastly, are we glorifying God in the way that God has called us to live? Let's take a moment to just reflect on this question here and just begin to ask God, God, how would you have me live out this life for your purpose? Let me pray for you. Father, thank you just for the sobering thought that this life will end one day. But we have this day, today, the day that you have made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. And so God, activate an intentionality within us. Lord, begin to help us to excavate the meaning and the purpose that you have in, in our lives for the way that we should live, pouring our lives into that which is fruitful, purposeful, selfless, and God-glorifying. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Take a moment right now. I'll just give you some time to reflect a little bit. And then if you're, if you're ready to share, you can share with the person next to you. Uh, you can also say, Pastor Nelly, man, that was really morbid. Uh, you know, but hopefully this awakens us to begin to think about the life that we get to live every day. Go ahead and take some time now. We hope you've enjoyed today's message brought to you by Every Nation Brisbane. 
For more information about our church, visit us on the web at ianbrisbane.org. Thank you for listening. God bless.